on this episode of Table Talk Radio, we talk about law and gospel, and we play Bible B to talk about the basics of how we look at the faith. And we invented the word office-oriented hermeneutic. Is that right? Is that what we did? Stay tuned. Hey, we're live. We're recording. A radio show that confesses Christ. Without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously. Without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to... Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, <laughs> And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, fastest. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. The AV Club of Meteorocrity. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Did you? You said to uh, me the other day. Since we're on YouTube now, we're open to a whole new audience. So we probably should explain the nonsense. <laughs> we had we have fourteen listeners. We we've been we've been on air for twelve years. So we've gained one listener. Well, maybe we should say this. We've lost thousands of listeners every year. <laughs> every day, every week. We've got 14 now, and now we're on the YouTubes where we're where dozens and dozens of people are at, finding us. Dozens. At what it's point really to have all these people? At what point listen. are we considered viral? I uh, do you know that uh, you can look at the statistics on I should pull this up and show you. Uh you can look at the statistics on the YouTube thing and you can see how long people listen. <laughs> oh, that's not good. You can't that's... get that kind of uh statistics with podcasts, can you? Uh you no. can you can know whether they listen to the end or not, but you can't you can't tell anything beyond that. So anyway, we we're, we're going to might talk a little bit about what we are actually about today and we're going to play a little Bible B. We're going to do the buzzwords and then you had a great what? Uh, oh, we're gonna go to the voicemail. Voicemail. Oh yeah, yeah. These are great. So uh, let's let's dive right in. Let's do some buzzwords. Uh, my buzzword for you is nomas. So nomas. We're under, doing uh, Hebrew. Un- we're doing Pig Latin. We're doing uh, under, uh, under the gospel. There's nomas for you. <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're probably talk elaborate more on this later, but uh, uh, nomas is Greek for law. Now, here's the thing about law. We have to, uh, there's many, many different senses of the word law. Sometimes when we talk about law, we're talking about the particular Old Testament ceremonial law. Uh, I guess suppose it could also, uh, nomas, uh, could also be reference to the um, moral law, I suppose. Sometimes it means Torah. It means the entire Word of God. Um, and as as we'll talk about it today, we oftentimes mean law in ways that uh, is just talking about anything that is a command, anything that's telling you to do something, anything that is uh, condemning a sinner is the law in a very broad sense of the word. So there's many different uses of law, and I think when we're having conversations, uh, we do need to understand what we mean by law. So uh, nomos is your theological buzzword. 
Look at uh, here. I pulled up the statistics, by the way. Can you see this? This uh, here's how long people watch. Average view percentage thirty three percent, which is shocking. Uh, this is my favorite statistic: that sixty five percent of the people stuck through the first twenty nine seconds. That's the that's the theme music. <laughs> this is like a, a roller coaster ride. Even then, I think YouTube felt sorry for us and raised the curve just to make us feel <laughs> better. My uh, my uh, word for you is gospel. And nice, nice. Uh, so, gospel is the. How about this? Let's give an official definition of the gospel. Gospel means good news, but let's define it this way. Gospel is the is the good news that the death of Jesus Christ forgives sin. So it's the particular promise of God that all of our sins are forgiven in Christ. Did you add a lamp to your background to make it more visually appealing, by the way? No, I a... I uh, was using the camera at home, so I, I put it back so it probably didn't get set exactly the same spot. So you're just seeing the lamp that was always there. I appreciate the lamp... also the, all the high-tech stuff on the side. Yeah. That's really great. So this lamp is not plugged in because we had a fire inspection. A fire marshal inspection, and he said that yep. we can't use extension cords. That's a fire hazard. Use extension cord. In case really? You, in case you know that. He didn't mind all of these wires just completely arrayed <laughs> everywhere, but the little the little extension cord for the lamp was a fire hazard. <laughs> Have I ever told you the story about the the lamp that Bill and I had in our dorm room in college? No. This is one of the funniest things that ever happened to me. This is definitely not on point. Maybe a light of the world story here. So. We were so cheap. We had this big fish tank, right? And all the fish kept dying. And we were like, we need a lamp for the fish tank. But we didn't want to buy an actual lamp. So we got a, a Gatorade, plastic Gatorade bottle and a light bulb. And we wire and we electric wired the, the light bulb in the Gatorade bottle. And then we wired the other ends of the wire onto the plug for our answering machine which had which the answer machine had this falco fan club thing on it it was great so when you plugged in the answer machine it would plug on the light and but we realized that the light was always on then so to make a switch we we hammered a nail into the bunk bed that we had and we wrapped one side of the wire around that and then we made a little hook on the other wire and hooked it on there so you'd hook the wire onto the nail to turn the light on and unhook it i mean it was nice like so so our, our dorm guy, you know, the guy who's supposed to make sure that everyone's sober, he came to inspect <laughs> our room one time, and, and he's like, is that safe? I think he was even like an electrical engineer, you know, so he's looking at this, and he's like, this is not passing. And, and Bill's like this, of course it's safe. And he's flipping the light on and off, on and off, on and off like this. And he's like, well, all right. So I'm standing in the door, and, and, the, and the thing is at the back of the room, and he turns around, and Bill hooks the thing and the light bulb explodes and, <laughs> and i'm looking at our guy and he's looking at me and he goes like huh did i hear something funny and as he turns around all the sparks fade out and uh. and bill's standing there with a the wire and he turns around and he looks and he goes huh and bill goes huh and he walks out i couldn't believe it that's it like a the movie most perfect scene yeah, oh. yeah. Anyway, now I'm go that back has to... nothing to do with what we're talking Oh, that was because you're talking about fire inspection. That's right. But I want to go back to your buzzword, if we could, you know, the gospel. Oh, was it? Um, the gospel. Uh, this, is, this is interesting because a lot of people will talk about the gospel or how we need to go share the gospel or get the gospel out and uh, really don't have a clear definition of what gospel is. Do you, Pastor Wolfman, do you remember where you and I met? 
or how we met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you try to forget. Was that. this back in um, back in the old days when you were up in Yuma? Yeah, that's right. I started doing a, a radio show on the weekends in in uh, my hometown of Yuma, Colorado, and uh, in on that on that uh, show, I interviewed. Um, do you remember those those? People who would go out and, and picket military funerals. The Westboro Baptist lady. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I asked her the question, uh, what is the gospel? And her words were this. It is, she says, it's this. Obey, obey, obey. Wow. So, so the good news in her mind is that we should uh, go out and proclaim to people obedience. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to flush that out the 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 problem that comes with uh, you know mixing that idea because that in in the way that we understand things the way that we'll be talking about it today the, the command to obey which is a biblical thing we're not denying that but it would be law and uh, that has a result of of showing uh, sinners that they deserve the wrath of God and I, maybe that's fitting for the Westboro Baptist Church. That <laughs> it's kind of I mean you know I've seen this argument that Westboro Baptist is Calvinism brought to its logical conclusion. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of Calvinists who would disagree with that, but I think uh, you know for for those of us who have criticisms of of, of Calvinism, we, we kind of you know see the point made, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, hmm. okay, well very let's, interesting. Let very anything interesting. else about your buzzword? No, I want to hear this uh, voicemail. We got time for that? Yeah. Currently, it says we're having trouble finding that site. So I'll just try. Oh, there we go. Uh, oh, you got it. Okay. okay. So uh, three voicemails here. What Let's... is our voicemail number again? Oh, yeah. You don't remember that thing? 1-800-385-SOLA. Remember that? How can I be expected to remember such a new number? <laughs> you change it all the time. <laughs> I know. All right. How long have we had that number? Number? Uh, 37 years or something? Yeah, that's right. The, the day I was born, I got the number. <laughs> All right, here's the first map. 1-800-what is it again? 385-SOLA, or let's see, that's S seven six five two. Are you gonna, okay. right, all right, very good. All right, you're here's here's not, the first. I'm not saying it for my sake, just for the listeners. Yeah, right, 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 right. I'm, I'm not, never going to remember. <laughs> all right, we have a minute right, here for the first one. Here we go. Putted on the back of a silver Ford Ranger with a snowblower in the back. Saw a bumper sticker that said, Perfect joy is being a Franciscan. So they had those oh, three wow. different statements in different fonts, so we're not sure if they're related or not. Keep up the good work. All right. That's that's no mas. Keep up Perfect the good work. Perfect joy is being Franciscan. <laughs> now that's when we say we play theological bumper stickers, that's not normally what we uh expect yeah, or that's, hear from. That's not a real hidden agenda there. <laughs> it is funny that you know the the Catholics are always talking about how there's so many different Protestant denominations as if as if every Catholic is the same. And then they say, but oh, by the way, we got all these different orders, <laughs> which is just denominations. It's the same thing. <laughs> well, but they, they, they do have unity in one thing. Yes. I mean, you, you, might, you might think that women can be priests or that you can have clown mass, all that, but they all are united under one thing, and that is the authority of the Pope. The Pope's the boss. Yep. As long as, as you got long that. As you say that, you can say whatever else you want. That's about it. I uh, hear the music. We got to talk about this more after the break. Okay, and then we have a couple more voicemails, and then Bible B. 
is the game for today. You don't want to miss out. Stay tuned. Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio, where theology meets immaturity. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. One eight hundred three eight five Sola is the hotline for. I, th- I think, I think it's the dumping ground for people's theological bumper stickers and church signs. It's like, oh, where else would I, you want to go with it? I saw this horrid sign or horrid bumper sticker. I I need to tell somebody. I know just right. the people. Table Talk Radio. The Joker's over at Table Talk Radio. I'm going to give a call. One eight hundred three eight five Sola. Some people have that saved in their phone, and they'll just you know speed dial it on their drive to work. You know they they pass by an ELCA church or something, and like every week they have a new thing to call in. That's what a lot of our listeners do. I, by the way, want to register my my disagreement with the previous bumper sticker. Yeah, pure joy is being Franciscan. So, what do you know about I me? Mean, what do you know about that? About the Franciscans? Yeah. That they started with the St. Francis. Remember the St. Francis? <laughs> I do. All these saints said, hey, here's how I like to live. And everyone says, well, I want to live like that, too. So each of the each of the monastic orders <laughs> has a different rule, is what they're called. I could just see outsiders going, yeah, glad Lutherans didn't do that. <laughs> well, you make a fine point, because I think the catechism should be understood as an evangelical rule. But remember the uh, remember the the evangelical councils. That's what the Catholic Church calls them, the evangelical councils, and that is the super law. <laughs> so they make the gospel into the super law. So you got the you got the law for everybody, all the normal schmucks in the Ten Commandments, <laughs> and then you got the super law in the gospel, which is poverty, chastity, obedience. So poverty you can't own anything, chastity you can't get married. Obedience, you leave your father and mother and the workplace and everything else, and you join your obedience is to the rule of the monastery. So the Franciscans have given themselves over to the Franciscan rule. Now, I do not know what it is. Are the Franciscans what Luther used to always call the barefoot friars? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was all the you had a begging order and you had working orders, and the, Luther joined the Augustinian order. You know, I learned this the other day that when Luther, they would all because it was a good gig to join the monastery. I mean, it's hard life, but it also you were provided for, like you would have food and all this other stuff. And so, when things were tough. People always wanted to go join the monasteries so then they could eat. And so you had a time of solitude where you would have to go for like a week and just live in a cell by yourself and to see if you're really serious or if you cracked. And so they, they did that for Luther. But then the, I, the thing I was reading is they forgot about him and they left him in there for like six weeks. He's sitting there by himself. Whoa. Yeah. And he had to sit there for like this extra long <laughs> Until they finally let them out. They're like, well, I guess you're serious. I man. had never heard that before. Yeah. 
I, I should I I should probably check my sources to make sure that that's the <laughs> there's like some plague, and so Luther gets stuck in this in isolation for extra long. Can time. you put Can you put sources at the bottom of the screen there? Just kind of flash up footnotes as we talk. But if, there, if, if I can find any, yeah. If I'll you don't, look, I'll look if, on the Wikipedia. If you don't see any footnotes, then, it, then it's not reliable sources. <laughs> Link in description. All right, you want to go to the next one? Yeah. All right. Here's the next one. I'm sorry, I must be on the wrong number. I don't know what radio this is. Have fun with your radio show. <laughs> nice. A wrong number. No, I'm not sure. I'm not I sure if great. that's a legitimate wrong number. Or if it's one of our listeners. Our, <laughs> our listeners are punking us. I guess we Isn't can... that isn't that something that our what other radio show has a wrong number hang up? <laughs> and and I'm not sure if that's actually the yeah. listener. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I suppose we. Could, I have the the phone number here. We could just call him back. Say hi. You're yeah, I got a message from you. Yeah, you're live you on did, the air. Whatever you called, it was not the wrong number. <laughs> we, <laughs> this is the right number all the time. No matter what, someone says, "Uh, could you guys send me some pizza?" Um, okay. I like. That's I like. Great. I mean, I, I get the impression that this guy didn't even realize he was calling a radio show, but then he said, have fun with your program. Like, what, whatever you do. The level of confusion in his voice is indicative that it probably was a Table Talk radio. <laughs> That's true. Did it sound like me? Uh, was it you? Is this your phone number? Evan, are you coming on the show today? <laughs> What's going on? All right, let's, do, let's go to the next one. This is the last one for today. Hi, this is David in Arkansas got a church sign for you. It says, Jesus has prepared a place for you. Have you prepared a place for him? Ah, always that, yes. Yeah. So this is kind of a common thing. So you just pick out something Jesus did, and then you turn around and guilt the person saying, but are you doing that for him? That's right. You know, Jesus died for you. Have you died for him? Yeah. G- Jesus made no. bread for you. Have you made bread for him? <laughs> Jesus was born of a virgin for you. Have you been born of a virgin for him? Jesus lived a perfect life for you. I mean, we could just go all day, you know. That's right. And the result is always the same. The answer is no, I haven't. No. I have no. not done that for Jesus, which is why I needed Jesus to die on the cross for me. That's right. That's, so it's one of these, we have an office-oriented hermeneutic. Ooh! Someone write that down for a buzzword. Someone buy that a, domain. <laughs> office, or, office-oriented hermeneutic. Someone put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> that means that we understand that the Scriptures speak to us according to vocation. So sometimes the Scripture speaks to us as Christians. That means for all people, forgiveness of sins. Be baptized, go to the Lord's Supper, love your neighbor. Sometimes this it's very specific for for different offices, like King David, you know conquering the philistines that's not for everybody to do if every christian was out there like looking for philistines you know <laughs> that would be bad I, I, you uh, know you know who would be uh a contender for that though westboro baptist no 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 my <laughs> my two-year-old because we read the story of david and goliath and then uh near every night she picks up her foam sword and wants to fight the giant so yeah uh if we, if we need if we need anyone to take down some giants i have a two-year-old that could could probably if she starts that. you see her like weaving a net sling a leather sling like, <laughs> yeah, then i'm in trouble oh get the rocks she, she, you know she 
she chooses she chooses the sword, but it's nice when she takes me down, she consoles me and, and raises me back up. So it's a nice That's thing. That's right. She's like, now it's time for the beheading. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. All right. But anyway, uh, we're, we're now, not going to look at the hermeneutic, which means that we read the scriptures according to the office, and we should just recognize then that Jesus has a unique office of Savior. So when the Father sends the Son to die for the sins of the world, that is unique to his office as Savior. So when we ask the question, what would Jesus do? We we want to we just want to be careful. Most of the stuff that he did, he did as the Savior uniquely. It's not for us to follow. Now, some of the things he did as a Christian and as the child of God, and in those things we want to emulate him, like for you know, Peter tells us that he suffered without opening his mouth. So that that's our example. We should suffer in the same way. But we just want to be very, very careful that we don't um that we, in the understanding of Jesus as our example, is that we don't miss this, what do we call it again? Office-oriented hermeneutic. Nice. I've never heard that before, by the way. I've never even thought of it before. So someone should write it down. That's why we're going to get the office-oriented hermeneutic.com, and you can... Are you, you writing know. it down? Are you typing? Yeah. <laughs> There's some disadvantages of doing okay. video with you. You can actually see what I'm doing. Yeah, like, I know. Checking Facebook, like, playing like, Slytherio. Or, or, or playing, when we're playing Bible, you can see me Google searching. <laughs> that I familiar. opened the Logos because I'm going to share the screen. Me too. I got that going. So we're going to do All right. Hey. So do you want to, why don't you give me a verse first? All right. Are you ready? Ready. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Go on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, so obviously this is going to be in. in uh, it sounds New Testamenty. Um, I'm going. <laughs> oh, we should explain what the game is. So the oh, way that idea. the Bible bee works is we play three rounds: three verses, one verse, one word. We try to guess what book of the Bible it's from. You get bonus points if you guess the chapter and the verse. And then we play. If you get it right, we even if you don't, we talk about is it the law or is it the gospel? And this is important because. When we read the Bible, that's the distinction we want to make. That's, in fact, an extension of our office-oriented hermeneutic. But we ask the question, is this telling me what to do, or is it giving me the gift of God in Christ? Is it giving me instruction, wisdom, courage, or is it giving me comfort, peace, and the forgiveness of all of my sins? So we want to, we want to ask that question when reading the Scripture all the time, and especially when preaching and listening to sermons, we're asking the question, law or gospel? So that's what we're doing here. Yeah, that was so, a good explanation, wasn't it? That was that was. Yeah, I could see you sound. You looked so riveted. You were I, just. I'm 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 processing my verse. That's what I'm doing. Okay. okay. Uh, but but yeah, I do, I do want to just kind of circle back on that. You know, I think for sometimes, um, as because normally when someone is is interested in Lutheran theology, what's it about? One of the first things they bump into is the distinction between law and gospel. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but you know when we're going through the adult instruction class, that is in lesson one. We talk about law and gospel; it's such an yeah. important thing. You know, yeah. Luther and and the first president of the of the Missouri Synod, uh, CFW Walther, uh, both said this that that this is a book that remains sealed if you don't understand the distinction between law and gospel. So it's a very important distinction. I think sometimes we think that this is just kind of elementary work like when, once once you kind of learn the distinction between law and gospel uh it's on to bigger and better theological ideas and that's not the way uh, walther talked about it at least walther uh yep. ta- and luther too i mean they both will talk about it in the sense that it's being 
Uh, It's like earning a doctorate degree in theology to to not only stand understand the words of law and gospel, the definitions, but understanding how these are rightly applied when it's time to talk law, when it's time to talk gospel, and it's very difficult in these situations. So um, it's it's a good endeavor for us, whether we're we're just learning this distinction for the first time or we've been. Um, in this theological mindset our entire lives to always return to law and gospel and understand the, the depths and riches of God's word in this in this light. So, with enough you stalling... This, the distinction between law and gospel is an especially brilliant light which serves the purpose that the word of God may be rightly divided. This is from Article 5 of the Formula of Concord. Uh, writing to the Holy Prophets and All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is most certainly true. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. I'm recording too. All right, we are playing Bible Bee here on Table Talk Radio. Pastor Wolfman, would you mind rereading the verses you gave me? I would not at all. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, this is one of the Gospels. Um, I'm not sure how to nail down which one of the Gospels you're reading from. I do know that John oftentimes, but I mean, this this would not necessarily exclude John, but oftentimes he labels the opponents of Jesus as the Jews. Um, so uh, rather than saying the, uh, the Pharisees, um, what did it say, the Pharisees and the scribes? Is that what the scri- the yeah. Pharisees and the scribes. So, so John could definitely say that, but I'm, I'm going to just as to give me a little bit of an edge, I'm going to exclude John, who so is probably Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Did you know this, by the way, that John does not have any parables? Okay, so I'm going to exclude John because it's a, a parable. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, so, uh, and I, I was going to try to think, um, you know, obviously when we're talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're talking about what's known as the Synoptic Gospels, called that because they're very similar, which is why Pastor Wolfram likes to quote from them for Bible B, because they're hard to nail down one from another. Uh, I'm just going to guess Matthew. What is the Gospel of Matthew? Very good guess. Are you sure? Yeah wrong. Luke, Luke 15. This is the preamble to the three parables, oh. the, lost sheep, the lost coin and the prodigal son. Okay. It, it's, it goes on to the man had a hundred sheep. If he lost one, that parable is in Matthew. Uh, I wonder if I, um, I wonder if that's the case. I've got a chart. I got to pull up the chart, but so here we are parable, of the lost sheep and the, and the parable of the lost coin, which is a second parable, is only in Luke, and then the parable of the prodigal son down here, that's also unique to Luke. Mm. So I've got a whole, ch- I'm working on the parable, on this big parable project now. Have I told you about that? No. I'm trying to understand the parables, write a Bible study on the parables. And um, I got to, I'll pull up that chart in a minute and show it to you. It's very, inter- it's, it's an interesting thing to figure out how many parables there are, actually. Some people count 40, some people count 70. 
So what counts as a parable and what doesn't? But which ones are unique to which gospel? But this, and what are the parables doing? That's a good good question, because there's like different categories of parables. But this one is so helpful because we have the context here. And the context is the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling because Jesus, they, and it even tells them why, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Right. And so Jesus is telling this parable to, as an apologetic for his eating with sinners. Yeah. So, so, so I think uh, uh, we would see this as both law and gospel. I mean, I think if you just took the words of the parables, they're by and large gospel. Although um, you do have uh, some some law moments in the midst of the prodigal son account. Um, so you have uh, the father addressing the the older son. Uh, who has wanted to make himself a, uh, who who saw himself as a as a slave rather than a son, um, but uh, by and large the 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 three parables told in Luke fifteen, um, the lost sheep, the lost coin, prodigal son, uh, are gospel themes. They're 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 talking about the the redemption, the reconciliation there is uh, in God because of Christ Jesus. All right, look so, at this. I'll show you my. I'll show you my big worksheet here. Can you can you see this? Is, does it come through here? Yeah. And here's so I'm working on the parables, and uh, there's something like there's 22 parables in Matthew. There's nine parables in Luke. There's 27 in sorry 27 in Luke, nine in Mark, and then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight that are in all three gospels, uh-huh. and then a handful that are in. Uh, there's five of them that are in Matthew and Luke, and then some Matthew only. And then Luke only has the biggest section. There's all these Luke only unique parables that are there. So how are you um, determining a parable? Well, I've just got a base list, and then I'm comparing all the other lists to it. It's a question like, for example, when Jesus says, "Well, there's a handful of like the par- the Lazarus and the rich man." Right? Is that a parable? That's what or I was thinking. There's of. one. Yeah. Or then these little sayings like. Those who fall on the rock will be crushed, but th- will be broken. But those on whom the rock falls will be crushed. Is that is that a parable or a saying? It's really. So I'm not. So I'm still working through some of those things, cool. trying to turn to figure nice. all that out. Nice. Look forward to those YouTube videos. All right, uh, I have a three verses here for you. All right. Uh, so I just kind of randomly picked a spot, and it says this. I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, so that the Levites and the singers who performed the service had gone away, each to his own field. So I reprimanded the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Then I gathered them together and restored them to their posts. All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses." Okay, that sounds Old Testamenty. We know that. So here's a couple of things to remember. So 586, 587 BC, the Babylonians came in and put the wampum on the temple, wiped it out. And that's one of those kind of key things to remember. And and they were in exile for 70 years. And the 70 years doesn't add up from 586. You got to go to the first exile. But anyway, so 530 or so, they come back to Israel led by Ezra, and they're trying to build the temple and restore the temple. 
but they're attacked from enemies all over. And so a generation later, Nehemiah, or maybe less, Nehemiah leads the building of the wall to protect the city. And so then they can go back to building the temple. And you get the latter prophets, so Zephaniah, Haggai, uh, are all there in, uh, encouraging Zerubbabel, the prince, to rebuild the temple. So that, that temple that was there in, in Jerusalem was called Zerubbabel's Temple, even though Herod had spent 40 years remodeling it and making it impressive. And this seems to me like the, this account, and the I there, the first person, uh, I should probably know who talks like that, if Ezra talks like that or Nehemiah talks like that. But my, I think my educated guess is, this, is that Nehemiah is going to speak in this way. So my guess is, what is the book of Nehemiah? Okay, how do I share screen? <laughs> There's a little button there on the bottom that says share screen. Press that oh, right button. there. <laughs> And then you click uh, on, the, on the program that you want to share. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> so, cho- don't, so don't click on solitaire. You know, click <laughs> yeah, on right, the... right. Nehemiah is hey! right. You got it. Uh, yeah. All right. So law gospel on this. What do you think? Well, we, if we remember that the temple in the Old Testament was for the purpose of God being present with the people and not destroying them. So Exodus 20, where I cause my name to be remembered, there I will come to you, there I will bless you. And so the, the temple is a shadow of the heavenly throne room. Then that is where the gospel is. But of course, law and gospel both. So it's where sinners are condemned for their sin and the Lord acquits us of our sin. And so that throne room of God, which is in the Old Testament, brought down to earth in the temple, is the place where the law is preached in its fullness and also the gospel. And so all of this is in service to that preaching of law and gospel in the Old Testament. Well, well done. I thought that How was a— How many points is that? Uh, 200, and then 200 for law and gospel, so it'll give you 400. But I thought I found a vague enough spot that you wouldn't be able to nail it, but you got it, so good job. All right, we have boom. some time. Boom, boom. Two and a half minutes, so let's get another round going here. All right. Uh, oh, this would be this would be a really good one. Um if I can find it. Oh, yes. Where are you? Uh, <laughs> sorry. This is a tri- This is, I'm, I should have thought, I just thought of this right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me just make sure this is the right word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could just uh, guess before you read it if you want. I have, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is <laughs> coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Yeah, yeah, that's again in one of the Gospels. Um, see, that one, uh, you know, I just read the Gospels so much, you know, it's hard to remember which one's which. Um, <laughs> oh, this is so good. I, I got you on the horns on this one. <laughs> uh, so this, oh, man, I see, again, I'm I'm leaning towards Matthew. Um, I do think that comes up in Matthew more. So here, yeah. So here's the thing. So we always we always think of the parables as being these ways of which God kind of dumbs things down for us, like you know, which is true. I mean, God God does need to dumb things down for us. But um, but what's interesting is in, is as Jesus describes it, he is speaking in veiled language in figurative ways so that he could hide them from uh, from those who are his opponents and teach them to his disciples. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Matthew. Let's just check here. 
John chapter 16. Oh, this I told you already that John doesn't have parables, but this is as close as John gets to mentioning parables. That's why. So this is from the from the uh, uh, the pre- Jesus priestly discourse at the end of John. So right before the high priestly prayer, I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, tell you plainly about the Father. That day you will ask in my name. I do not say you'll have to ask the Father on your behalf. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believed in the Father. And look, the disciples say, ah, you're speaking plainly. You're not using figurative speech. And do you now believe, behold, the hour is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own house. So this is part of the, 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 the conversation that's happening on Monday, Thursday, when Jesus is preparing them for his, for his death. Now, the, the, the text that you were thinking of is Matthew chapter 13, uh, when Jesus is talking about the purpose of the parables. All right, we gotta we gotta hit a break real quick, and then we'll be uh, taking a look at that Matthew passage. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Are you listening to Table Talk Radio alone? Well, get used to it. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. All right, so before the break, you were pointing out the verse that I should have picked, and then you were going to the verse that you think I had in my mind. Yes, I think this is the verse you were thinking of. This is all Jesus says after the parable of the sower, and he says, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables, he said nothing to them without a parable. That's right. This is a very interesting sentence. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And the disciples are going to ask about this later. Uh, and they say, why, you know, why did you say? And Jesus says that the, the purpose of the parables is both to hide and to reveal. So um, here's a little bit earlier. The disciples, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The one who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. The one who is not, even what he has will be taken away. That's why I speak in parables. Seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. The Isaiah prophecy is fulfilled. You will hear but never understand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's what you had in mind. That, you're right. You're right. All right. Well, I, I missed I, it, I'm though. working on this idea, though, because I don't think that that's the case for every parable, that it's because some parables Jesus will say, like, for example, the parable of the unworthy tenants. Jesus tells it to the Pharisees on, in Holy Week. That, that, that who kill, They kill the servants and they kill the son. And then Jesus says, what should the Lord do? What should the master do? And he says, he should put those miserable wretches to, a, to death. And then Jesus says, right, to one who has, it'll be taken and given to another. And then it says the Pharisees understood that he was talking about them. Mm-hmm. So... I just, I just, well, more work needs to be done. Okay, I'm ready for your quiz here. Okay, let's see if you can get this. Uh, let's see. Okay. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built? Uh, that sounds like... So, th- so this is part of our theo- biblical theology, is that the... 
the temple, which was the house of God, was, was not to be understood as a limiting factor. So that the Lord decided to dwell in the temple was of his grace. It was not of their doing. It's not a work. And Solomon, when he's building the temple, wants to emphasize that in his dedicatory prayer. Uh, now, I, I don't wonder if that was a reflection of the dedicatory prayer when Moses finished building the temple from Exodus, or if also Nehemiah or even Ezra has that echoed in the dedicatory prayer in his book as well. But I, I think that comes from Solomon. So Solomon is, the story of Solomon is in Chronicles, one of them, and in Kings, one of them. Mm. Uh, no, no, I think it's in, I think it's in, mm. is Solomon 2 Samuel or 1 Kings? Oof, I'm going to guess it's got to be, <laughs> ah, da, 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 da. It's got to be, you know, Chronicles emphasizes the priestly nature of the temple. I'm, and I think it's first, I'm going to say first Chronicles. Here comes the big reveal. <laughs> Pop a if you know how to do it. It's a dramatic pause. Da, 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 da. First Kings. Oh, prayer <laughs> dedication. First Kings. Is the parallel also first Chronicles? I don't know. So that's good. So so Samuel <laughs> does Samuel end with the death of David and the and First Kings begins with it. I should I should have those landmarks for the beginning and end of those books, but I don't have them in my head. So that's Solomon's prayer of dedication at the t temple. Now, uh, can you go back to the verse? Let me do some law gospel. Let me see the text. Though. Where'd it go? Prayer of dedication. If a man sends Oops. you, oh, the thing <laughs> I think that's the wrong verse. There we it, go. It, the the thing that should be highlighted. Can you just click on um, the the word forgiveness? Do you oh, see? Do froze. you see that my? Oh, there he goes. Okay. If you if you um, uh, there's so oh so look at the end of verse thirty there and click on for here and forgive. Just click on that word and if you have it the setting, it'll show how many times forgiveness comes up in this prayer. It's a kind of an amazing thing. Oh, maybe it's not working in yours. But um, there's over and over and over in the dedicatory prayer, Solomon talks about the forgiveness of sins. And it's one of the keys for us understanding the purpose of the temple hmm. is that the, the blood shed there on the, on the altar in the temple is preaching the blood of Jesus. So the blood is gospel. The blood is not winning forgiveness. The blood of bulls and goats can never win the forgiveness of sins. But the blood of the bulls and goats on the altar preaches the forgiveness of sins that comes from the death of Jesus on the cross. So yeah. this is, again, of course, law and gospel both working here, but especially for the purpose of the gospel and the forgiveness of sins. Nice. All right. Well, well done. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm going to give you my one-word clue is two words, okay? Wedding garment. Ah, this is nice. Okay, obviously I know the account. This is the parable of the wedding feast. So the king is having a, a wedding banquet for his son and invites all invites all the fellow kings and princes, and they uh, reject the invitation. And so the king is angered and has uh, his servants go out to the highways and byways and, and invite all the unworthy guests. And so the banquet hall is filled for his son. Uh, now here's the little surprise at the end. He's at the banquet and he finds this person who is not wearing the wedding banquet uh, garment. Sorry, the, the the garment, the wedding garment. And so 
uh, he uh, throws him out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which I think is a parable that appears in the gospel according to St. Okay, so I what I would normally say, <laughs> I'm leaning towards St. Ooh, I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say Luke, but I also have to consider the psychology of Pastor Wolfmuller, who has seen me miss on Matthew twice, and I know that he's likely to pick Matthew just for the third one, but I'm going to do it. Luke, what is Luke? Matthew, chapter 22. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> It's sad. It's yeah. a sad state when I know your psychology more than I know the scriptures. That's a scary thing. This is, now the, the parable shows up in Luke also, but that extra ending with the wedding garment is only in Matthew. Okay. So if you so the gospels, but like it's like a bonus thing. It's a, this is a roller coaster gospel. So you can read it in Luke, and it's all the people are invited, they don't come. So highways and byways, but then uh, and then also the destruction of the people who didn't come. But then Matthew has this wedding garment ending in it. So Matthew Mm -hmm. chapter 22 uh, is where this is. When the king came to look at the guests, he saw the king who had no wedding garment. Now, let's do some law gospel on this. Uh, Yeah, so this, I mean, this particular verse is is law. Uh, You know, so so my understanding from the culture was that when you would go to a wedding banquet, um, the garments would be provided uh or i actually think there might be something to this fact that who was at the wedding banquet they were the people they just pulled in from the highways and byways uh meaning that they weren't prepared for a wedding so the king not only invites them but he gives them the clothes to wear you know i mean uh these these weren't people who would have already had necessarily the clothes to to wear for a, a wedding banquet so uh, here, here is this person at the wedding banquet who is refusing to wear the garment that's being provided, and uh, this is a picture of someone who uh, refuses uh, to uh, put on Christ, who refuses uh, in to repent. You know, there's this there's this interesting line if you look in the uh, the agenda, Pastor Wolf Miller, of the excommunication, right? That if someone is being excommunicated, uh, they've gone through the process of, you know, uh, being called to repent privately, and and you know we we know the steps. Um, but in the right, it says it doesn't say so and so has broken the sixth commandment or whatever it says. It says so and so has denied their baptism. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. So that the the real issue isn't necessarily the transgression. It's that my refusal to repent is denying the identity I have in Christ. Because as Christians, our identity is not in our works. Uh, it's not in what we've done. It's in Christ who has, who has clothed, clothed us. So um, this is a reminder of law to say if I refuse to repent, if I refuse um, the garments that Christ gives me, then uh, I will be cast out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I think your point is well, well taken, is that even if the people were supposed to be prepared, th- in this case, the king must have provided it because he pulled the people from the streets. And so the king gives him this garment, and he does, and he takes it off. He says, I like my clothes better. And this is the person that trusts in them, their own righteousness rather than in the righteousness of Christ. Okay, we had to be really quick. All right. Your one-word hint is grandmother. Oh, grandmother. 
Uh, First Timothy. Chapter verse. Your grandmother learned, you learned the scripture from your grandmother, Lois. Chapter one. Uh, what did what what Timothy did you say? Second Timothy. Okay, you got it. Second Timothy <laughs> one five. All right, you have uh, ten seconds for Lar Gospel. How great that I actually said First Timothy, but I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> that the, the scriptures are handed down parent to child, and that we should not despise. God be praised for godly heritage. You got it. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where we talked about law and gospel. No mas. How, how you, did we forget the? You get you get no mas points because you didn't use the Greek. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off the treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.